Hello, hello, and welcome back to our podcast, The Inspire Club. I nearly forgot the name of it then. This, um, I'm your host, I'm Ruth Dance. For those of you that haven't heard me before hosting the podcast, I share the duties of hosting Inspire Club with my colleague Matt Manners, and we are um, just part of the team at Inspiring Workplaces. We interview people from all over the world, and I just, I, this is probably my favorite hour of the week each week when I get to chat to people all over the world about what they're doing to create inspiring workplaces. Um, I run the Academy, which is the professional development and consulting arm of the business. And if you haven't uh, heard of me or seen anything we do, we've got lots of our content that we're sharing on our website. So go and take a look. Now, um, just like in the 1990 classic Fight Club, we only have one rule. Our rule is we must not talk about. No, our rule is that you must share a story of someone that has inspired you along the way. We want to help put positivity out into the world. We want to thank people who maybe had no idea that they had inspired someone else. This can be a past colleague or they can come from anywhere outside. We really don't mind, but this really is all about sharing and inspiring one another. So I'll get straight into it and introduce our first um, our first guest, our only guest of the podcast today, which is the incredible Mike Adams. I have known Mike for some 10, 15 years now, but we haven't been able to see each other all that often because Mike is such an incredibly and busy in-demand man. That's what I think anyway. Um, Mike is the CEO of Purple. They're an organization who are changing the disability conversation with businesses and disabled people all over the world. And in my opinion, they're having some incredible impacts in what they're doing. Um, Purple, the organization that Mike um, founded and is a leader of, they see disability as a value opportunity. And Mike is leading them in developing of products and services, which are really starting to transform the landscape across all different sectors of business. Purple Tuesday um, is an initiative and it's been created and coordinated by Mike that has received national acclaim for its contribution to changing the customer experience for disabled people, including online accessibility. Don't just take my track record for how amazing Mike is, though. He, um, or don't just take my opinion on it. He does have that track record. He has been uh, one of the senior management team of the Disability Rights Commission. He has been the director of the National Disability Team for Higher Education. And he has also been co-director of disability research at a university here in the UK called Coventry University. Uh, Mike was actually awarded an honour by our Queen of England here in England. He was awarded an OBE in 2012 for his services to disabled people. And in 2019, Mike was listed in the Shaw Trust Power List as one of the UK's top 100 most influential disabled people. Wow, Mike, I feel like I'm in some incredible company right now getting to talk to you. Are you there? How are you? I'm here, Ruth, and I can't believe we finally got to chat to each other. So absolutely brilliant. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to talking to you and to all your listeners. It's brilliant. Oh, well, we, we're really just honoured to have you here today, Mike. So we're just so grateful for that. Let's get straight into it. Um, and with our first rule of Inspire Club that I've already mentioned, can you share a story with me of someone who has inspired you in the world of work and why? I can. And the, the, the trick here is, the problem is I can't tell you their name 
because I don't even know it. But let me let me let me let me tell you the story. So um, we've been working with a, a large corporate organisation who are really committed to going on their disability inclusion journey, both with their employees and with their customers. And, and, and to achieve it, it always requires the, the chief executive or managing director to commit um, because they then inspire their managers and their staff as well. And it sends out a really strong signal. And about four months ago, so in, in, in lockdown, um, the, the, the chief executive, I won't say the organisation, but the chief executive um, has a Friday morning, thank God it's Friday session with all their staff members and um, around the UK and, and globally as well, actually. And uh, that morning, he, he, he said, look, I'm going to talk to you today about our work around disability and our commitment to uh, disability issues. And he, he, he talked through for about 20 minutes really eloquently um, what they were doing and why they were doing it. And um, at the end, he just said, uh, you know, has, has anyone got any questions? Happy for you to come off mute if you want to, etc." Listen, as a, as a chief executive myself who's been doing staff meetings virtually, you know the answer to that because no one comes off. And uh, But he asked the question anyway. And then someone came off mute and said, I can't quite believe I am saying this. I have worked for this organisation for 15 years, but today... I have been so inspired about what this company stands for. I am telling every member of staff that I have a hidden disability and it's linked to mental health. Wow. wow. And what, so that's my inspired But But what then happened was someone else came off mute and said, well, on that basis, I'm going to tell you I'm severely dyslexic and I've hidden it from the organisation for the last eight years. Someone else came off and said, I've got mental health, etc. And in seven minutes, he had four staff members who had disclosed that they had a disability that no one in the organisation previously knew. And, 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 and do you know what, Ruth, you know, it, it has inspired me to, to, to carry on doing what we do because it works. And you've just got to remember that there are in the UK 14 million disabled people, 80 percent, four out of five disabled people have hidden disabilities. And so in a workplace, they have the opportunity to decide whether they disclose or not to disclose. And it's all about culture. And that day, the chief executive in one speech uh, enabled, allowed, facilitated, call it what you like, four individuals who had been there a long time to disclose their disability, not just to the head of HR, but to the whole workforce. That's just amazing. I've got I've got chills, Mike, listening to that. Thank you. Um, it, it's it's something that we've talked about 
I know a lot together, Mike, that if organisations don't start putting inclusion for in front of their agenda and, and actually taking real actions to it, then they're not going to survive any longer. And we've been talking a lot at Inspiring Workplaces around we need organisations to have cultures that are psychologically safe, where people feel they can bring their whole selves to work if they choose. And as a result, they will deliver their best work and be innovative and be creative and feel supported and feel cared for. And that is a really great example of a leader showing that we're, we, you, you know, by being open enables everyone else to be open as well. That's a really incredible um, story. And I hope if anyone's listening, they feel inspired, particularly if you are a leader in an organization, you feel inspired um, by that and can take some action from that story as well. Mike, what drives you? What, what's, what's, you do some incredible things, right? And you've been honored by our queen for it. What's your why? What's my why? My why is pretty simple, Ruth. So I went to school, I went to college, I went to university. And from the age of 11, I always wanted to do business and I always wanted to be a leader. Um, and I always wanted to run an organization. Um, and when I graduated, um, I got an interview at, uh, on, on a graduate program, which was my absolute dream, um, with a highly well-known uh, retail organization that, again, will they nameless. And I, 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 just to put it into context, I don't think I've ever, I ever uh, practiced so hard and got ready for that interview. And I, and I walked in and I sat down and there was the chair and there was five others on the panel. And they asked me my name. And bear in mind, I was 21. So, you know, they asked me my name, which I was able to answer and then said, you know, why? Why do you want to come and work for? And I, I, I knew the answer and I'd started with my, my, my two minute patter. And after about 10 seconds, the, the chairwoman stopped me and she said blankly to me, she said, you know, and I know, and everyone else in this room knows you're not going to get appointed. So we might as well stop the interview now. You must be used to disappointments. Uh, and actually, I wasn't. Um, and that was absolute direct discrimination. That was about my disability. That was about not giving me an opportunity. That was 30 seconds into an hour-long interview that I had practiced so hard for. And I think reflecting back, I've had a long time to reflect. I think what drives me, what drives what we do, what drives the organization is not allowing any other disabled people in 2021 and going forward ever to have that experience again. And, and, and in the nicest sense, and this is not about ego, not allowing organizations to overlook talented people because of pre-assumptions that have been made. And, and I think in, in, you know, it was crushing. I have to say it was absolutely crushing. Looking back, Ruth, it is probably the best thing that ever happened to me 
because it gave me drive, it gave me passion, it gave me determination, um, and it's what gets me out of bed every morning to to make sure it doesn't happen to anyone else. Mike, I can't I can't even begin to understand being in that room, being in that chair, and being you right then. But and I'm so sorry that happened to you, and I agree with you. I truly hope that never happens to anyone again but what like like you say what a negative experience that now just gets you out of bed every single day and is the best thing that's ever happened to you like what an experience and again I really really urge our listeners to learn from Mike's experiences we're talking about making pre-assumptions there's also a lot of talking organizations right now about the the non-conscious assumptions and this kind of unconscious bias that people are have whether it comes to all different aspects of inclusion from race religion disability um sexuality and the list could go on right there's a lot of work to do in that area as well there is there is and quite interesting we we ran a um we ran a webinar recently on unconscious bias in relation to disabled customers um and and i think the 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 thing people need to understand is we all inherently have unconscious bias. It's 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 in us all. It's what you do with it that that that, that absolutely matters. Uh, yeah. And 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 so we all have the ability to behave in a way that addresses all our unconscious bias. So I I think it is incredibly important. It's about who we are as a society. Um, and who we are as a business and, and and making assumptions about people that determine whether or not they buy something from your shop or your restaurant or your hotel or whatever um, has got to be something of the past. Mm, yeah. Many, many years ago, I worked for Christie's, which is an international auction house for um auction business and it was during the um kind of art auction boom i guess and one thing i remember being taught all these years ago actually was around this kind of we build this unconscious bias that if we've got a art sale on and the average price of a painting was maybe 60 million dollars never to create assumptions that someone walking into that room is not able to pay for it <laughs> uh, i learned that very early on and that was from a money art world but that's developed to continue to develop or making assumptions or keeping an open mind all the time we just talked a little bit then actually about a really poor and really sad experience that you had in the world of work what uh, let's flip that what's the best experience you've ever had i uh i think the best experience i ever had was speaking at uh, an international conference on disability it was actually in higher education it was at, at the fairly start of my career um uh, in canberra australia um and uh and just speaking to an international audience about disability and access to higher education uh, and how important it was and uh, there was two legs to it so we did one in Canberra and then we all went to Tasmania and, and did it again and I remember um, standing outside after giving the speech and realizing you could be the other side of the world and the issues are exactly the same um, and, and, and 
for the first time realising that disability was an issue of global significance and similarity. Um, and also someone saying to me, looking out to sea and going, uh, next stop is Antarctica. Um, so so I, I remember that like it was yesterday. Has the world changed, do you think? Are, are there some countries that are further ahead? Well, I think I think it's more difficult now to discern. So early in my career, we were in a research centre, um, a disability research centre, and we did a paper on how airports treated you um, as, as a proxy for their culture around disability. Um, and, 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 you know, you wouldn't be surprised to know that, you know, Scandinavian countries were probably way ahead of, you know, Southern European countries where it's kind of really rickety and, you know, make it up as you go along. But, but I think, I think in many ways that is, that is, that, that is narrowed, um, and, I think, gen you know, I, I've had the opportunity. It's weird standing, sitting here talking to you, um, having been locked down for a year, talking to you about travel. Um, but I, I've done quite a lot of traveling. And I, I think most disability issues are about mindset, um, the, the, the society and my mindset. And, you know, so I've been to some really kind of intrepid places where, you, you, you have to improvise, but with people with you who are committed, actually it makes it easy. So I, I would say globally there has been a lot of progress and a lot of narrowing. So I think as a disabled person, you can go almost anywhere in the world and um, have a level of kind of customer service and, and respect, which is, which is brilliant. Not to say there's still a lot to do, and that's not to say there isn't areas that could be improved absolutely but you know I, I think I think awareness and understanding uh, is getting better. Thanks Mike. It was good to hear that the travel industry is improving. In the in workplaces in general what do you think is the number one priority oh, right now? Easy straightforward um, well-being mental well-being mental health uh, it, it is it is rising exponentially, and I think for all businesses, it is the one issue that they are going to have to get to grips with because it is going to impact so many staff. And I think 14 months ago, uh, it, 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 it was taboo, and it has been taboo for a long time. Um, and that's because the, you know, there were so many people who never believed mental health would ever touch them. In, in that kind of negative way, who have been touched through the pandemic, um, and I think as 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 lockdown eases around the world and restrictions ease and people go back into offices and blended ways, I think there will be a huge productivity challenge and mental well-being challenge. That if organisations get it right, it will be part of them absolutely thriving if they don't i think they've got a big productivity issue on a productivity retention um and i think by the way ruth that it is what customers are going to want to see and expect 
from their organisations as well. And I've always said that organisations who do well for their staff with disabilities, that becomes their biggest marketing for future talented staff and customers as well. So it is uh, mental health, which I think is the major workplace priority. And as it should be. And I was about to ask you, is it a work is it a workplace responsibility? But you answered that pretty perfectly as well. It absolutely is, isn't it? Um speaking about mental health, actually, Mike, I know I know just like me, we've got twins who are very similar age. They're both one. I mean, all four of our twins are one, actually. Um and you've got um two older children as well. Um and you have been working incredibly hard during this pandemic, your business is incredibly in demand. I can't even imagine, plus many other things, the level of periods of stress you must have experienced. Is that an assumption of mine or have you have you had periods of stress and what do you do in general to get through it? Yeah, I, you know, and, and I would be honest with you, Ruth, and say um, I have a physical disability I never really thought that mental health would ever touch me. I was one of those, which is why I can talk so eloquently and, and, and about it. Um, and I think there have been times um, in the last 14 months when, you know, I've had to be really thoughtful about my mental health. And, 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 and you know, I'm a proxy for everyone else in society. We've all gone through the same thing. Um, Yes, we have four kids. Um, I have four kids and I have twins who are, you know, who have spent over half of their young life in lockdown. Uh, And I I wouldn't underestimate, um, as we start easing now, you know, them socialising again um, and how difficult that is. Because um, they they know no different and they've known no different and they had the, they've had the security and the chaotic and chaos of living in our house you know um, but actually that's what they've known and I and I, I I see that with staff who have been in their spare room their attic for the last fourteen months and actually um, going back to work is a big big thing. Um, and if if we have to be honest now, then about if this is a truthful session, how do I cope? How have I coped? What have I enjoyed best? Uh, a glass or two of red wine. Uh, that is that has been my saviour. That has been the thing um, that I have really looked forward to. Um, you know, the wine o'clock time uh, in moderation. Um, but I've really enjoyed that as well, and it's it, it's 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 absolutely helped. Yeah, being kind to yourself. Um, I don't know whether it's because we've both got one-year-old twins, but that that's been what's been helping me this year too. And being kind to myself, I'm not beating myself up that I am looking forward to wine o'clock. Yes. <laughs> Allowing myself that wine because it's been a challenging day, um, or even if it hasn't been a physically demanding challenging with the kids then it's it's mentally demanding the times we're going through right now so being kind to yourself and a glass or two of red wine what do you think is the most important quality that you can have in a leader i personally think it is consistency i i your staff your customers want to see you day in day out be the same they want to know 
you know, 90%, something happens, they know how you are going to respond. Because I think it is the link, it is the bond that, that builds the trust in and respect as, as, as you in a leader. And I, and I think for me, so consistency and being consistent in your leadership in whichever style you lead, you know, I, you won't believe this, but I happen to be quite outgoing and um, some people might say charismatic and would rather be on stage than pulling the curtains behind the scenes. And Oh, no, I believe that. I am. <laughs> but I think you can be a totally different leader, but consistency is still the thing, part of the leadership DNA that matters most. Brilliant, yeah. And is there anyone in the world that you'd like to swap swap jobs with for a day? I know some people that I wouldn't like to swap jobs with. So I wouldn't want to be the Prime Minister. I wouldn't want to be the Secretary of State for Health. Um, neither of those would suit me very much. Um, I would always, I'm, listen, my passion outside of work is sport. So uh I would love to be a football commentator and I could get inside those stadiums and watch the games and 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 bring to life uh, that for other people if, if I could if I could swap. But um, as I say, I've got a face for radio. So um, maybe maybe that would be my dream job. <laughs> oh, Mike, I think you'd be a brilliant football commentator. But what would we do without you in the world of helping create? an inclusive culture in this entire globe we'd be lost without your talent so um you'd be great but we're not letting you go over there to be a football commentator um what are you learning at the moment i what i'm learning at the moment so let me tell you a year ago ruth i had a blackberry which made me pretty unique because <laughs> everyone else had an iphone and yeah, I was about to just clarify. Yeah. We're talking about black. Yeah, we're, we're talking about blackberry. yeah, not the fruit. We're talking about the phones. <laughs> um, and I was in my office and everywhere else, a laughing joke. And I was determined not to ever change it. Um, which it, it didn't enable WhatsApp. It didn't enable any of the kind of social media platforms. But I did not care. I was keeping it. And then the the. The, it wouldn't use the P and it wouldn't use the A. Um, and at the, when, at the moment, I couldn't also use the E. I decided it probably had to go. And I, I made that switch to, to, to an iPhone um, and have gone on that journey. Um, and, and, and now um, to, the, to the point where I... I do social media LinkedIn posts twice a week on a Tuesday and a, and a Friday. And um, I, I love it. And it's really a great way to engage with people on changing the disability conversation. Um, and I, I, I looked yesterday and um, I, wrote, I wrote a post two weeks ago about my, my experience of an inclusive vaccine jab and the whole thing around social model and how great it was. And, um, and it's had 92,000 views. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's so learning 
learning about the power of social media, learning to let myself go and realise that digital is going to be a big part of the future. And if we're going to take disabled people with us on that journey, um, I had to really learn it myself first so I could practice what I preached. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that, that's what and I'm learning. I'm learning, you know, every day. And um, you, your listeners won't want to know about algorithms, but I could talk to you at length about how algorithms work and what does that mean for social media, but I won't. Oh, you'll spare us that. Thank you, Mike. I'm going to switch up the pace now um, before we talk about algorithms um, and move us into a quick fire round. So I've got some quick fire questions for you. First one, if you were a teacher, what would you teach? Geography. Wow. I, I really like geography as well, but was much more of a physics physics woman, girl, I guess, when I was studying. Um, are you an early bird or a night owl? Uh, I have twins, as you do. So can I say the answer is neither? Uh, it's about, <laughs> about survival. Um, I, I, I don't have not late nights anymore. I, I collapse and just go to sleep. And uh, mornings being woke up to screaming kids is also a, a rude awakening. So neither. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Twin toddlers. When You know, when mine wake up at 5.30 tomorrow morning, I'm going to think of you, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> at least I know you're in the same boat. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what is your favourite, what song really gets you going and fires you up? Uh, anything by Bruce Springsteen. I, I love Bruce Springsteen. Um, and if I want to be fired up, I will put on the Bat Out of Hell by Meatloaf album. Oh, yes. which, so you could have a bit of every, you know, there's what's there, six or seven songs, but whatever mood you're in, uh, there's a 10-minute rendition of each of them, which um, always a good one for the car, I tell yes, you. Yes, yes. Plays plays to your mood as well. Yes, that is a great one. Um, is there anything that you can keep clean that you can share with us that's been funny that's happened to you recently? Well, not 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 necessarily recently, but if you allow me to indulge, two three years ago, we 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 took my older two kids on a a trek through Vietnam. We did a tour of Vietnam and we toured the whole of Vietnam, and um, everywhere we went. Um, people come, came up to me and were, were talking really excitedly and wanting photographs and everything. And um, I, I, Purple hadn't long started and, you know, I knew we had an international reach, but I didn't quite realise that um, we had got into Vietnam and uh, et cetera. And um, everywhere we went, and so we were travelling every day, but it didn't matter whether it was village or town or whatever, people come over and were so excited. And then we, we got to one place and it all happened and we had a tour guide and I said, look, I, I just do not understand it. You know, can you just ask this person why she's so excited? Anyway, he did so and he said, oh, apparently you are this um, Australian Croat evangelist who has just been on a tour of um, Vietnam um and played to television crowds etc etc and they can't believe that they've seen you in the face and um i googled this guy um is he called nick yes yeah, yeah nick Pukovic, his name yeah. is and 
I'm my goodness, mate. I looked at him. I thought, that's me. And bearing in mind, I've got no arms and short legs. There's not many of us in the world. <laughs> but, but not only did he look like me, he his wife looked like my partner, and he had two kids that were the same age as my two kids. Oh. And so I was known throughout that whole trip as this Australian Croat um, evangelist. <laughs> So um, I, they, it absolutely uh, popped my balloon when I said, oh, I'm from Purple, and they just looked and went, oh, it's such a disappointment to everyone. <laughs> hey, Mike, he's quite good looking. That's a compliment, right? Well, he's aged as well, yeah, during the pandemic. I, I, I look at his pictures sometimes just because actually I want to look like him again. <laughs> Right. We'll have to include the link to Nick, won't we? Right, here's another question for you. Household chores. How are you around the house? Do you do a lot? I do. I do. I, 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 my, my job every night is sweeping the floor. And, and Ruth, listen, you don't need me to tell you with twins in high chairs, um, <laughs> most of the food uh, ends up being thrown on the floor. Um, so when I say my household chore is wiping the floor, it's a big job in our house. Yeah, I agree with that. It's a it's a bigger job than in most people's houses. What's your favourite film? Usual Suspects. Brilliant. And you've been, we've heard you've been to many places around the world. Where's the, if you could choose one best place, what would it be? If I could choose one place in the world, it would be Hoi An in Vietnam. Um, and my plea to everyone is if you've been you will absolutely agree with me. I have got no doubts about that. If you haven't been, go in the next five years until, because otherwise they're going to overbuild there and it will be spoiled. But Hoi An in Vietnam by a country mile. You know, Mike, so I've never been to Vietnam, but I don't know anyone that has been who didn't absolutely love it from a cultural learning perspective, the food, the people and everything. I really want to go. I just might have to wait for the twins to get a little bit older. <laughs> yeah, they need to be what well, well, Daniel was. Daniel was six and really, really embraced it. And the, 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 I think why it's so great is because there's a fusion of French and Asia. So we love French food and we love noodles. Um, and and for me, I'm a real foodie. So, every, you know, we 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 were just desperate every day to have a big lunch and big evening meal and snacks because the food was so brilliant and the people were so warm. It was unbelievable. And um, you know, we, we will go. We will take the twins. We promised to take the twins. So. Let me know when you go, because we might be going at the same time, yeah. given our twins at the same age. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm just ready for everyone to follow you around taking your photo. I can <laughs> pretend to be the glamorous celebrity assistant. <laughs> right, my second to last question for you, Mike. If people want to get involved with Purple and um, they really want to, they're really serious about creating these truly inclusive um, workplaces, um, what what can they do? What's the one thing they should do? Well, the one thing I always say to people is do something. Okay? So disability is is a journey um, and everyone starts that journey in different place um, and, 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 and it's a long journey. And so I say to organisations, 
just do something give one commitment start that ball rolling whether it is with your staff and we've talked haven't we ruth about mental health and hidden disabilities um you know so start having those conversations in your organization or it might be to do with um customers in which case you know go and have a look at purpletuesday.org.uk, which is our initiative to improve the customer experience, which is a benefit for organisations as well as your customers. And we at Purple um, can support all organisations across the world in all sectors and, and all sizes. And, and we would, our approach, our model is to, see where you are and be real about where you are see where you want to go and just in the nicest sense hold your hand as you get there um, and try to take you at a pace that works for you as an organization and you know you can look us up at wearepurple.org.uk and see some of the work we do so broadly splits into three things which is about uh, we work on you know the, the built environment, which is becoming increasingly important in a socially distant world. The online environment, which I've talked about, which is the the place and, and, and people. And that's your staff. And just one final stat to kind of leave you with. 50% of people who work in the UK and probably abroad as well, by the way, either have someone in their family who has a disability or someone in their close network. So disability has resonance with everyone. And I always ask the question of staff, if your auntie, grandpa, uncle, niece went into your place of work and had a worse experience simply because they happened to have a disability, would you like it? And the answer is always no. And therefore, you know, I think disability is something that unites people. I think it's a much bigger issue than people think it is. You know, 22% of the population have rights under disability legislation. Um, and for some organisations, they're on that journey and they've got to push on and do more. For some people, realistically, they haven't really started it. They've got to start somewhere, make a commitment, get momentum, involve your staff, and you'll find that actually it works for you on so many different levels. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for those incredible stats as well. I always think that 22% is such a hard-hitting and alarmingly high stat. That is really a cause for concern that we are, why are we not already truly inclusive with both customers and people? My final question for you is who would you like to take the baton in um, see as a guest on our Inspire Club podcast series? I, well, if, so if we, if we, if we, if we finish where we started, I would like potentially to connect you in with either the chief exec of that organisation who did the Thank God It's Friday because okay. they were an inspiration to their organisation or maybe at some point the person who then came off mute and said, oh, by the way, I've now felt for the first time. Um, because I think 
for me, you know, in the last five, ten years, it's the most in- inspirational thing I've witnessed, I've seen, I've heard. And it really, really, you know, makes me believe that, you know, we, we're on the right track, Ruth, and we've got a real opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your Inspire Club is inspirational and your listeners if they take a fraction of the conversation today and go and do something you know together we can absolutely change the disability conversation yeah and that our mission is to change the world through the world of work and your mission is changing the disability conversation and we're not going to be able to change the world until we change that conversation so mike i thought i I thought i knew you somewhat but um i didn't realize how many similarities and how many amazing stories you've got i'd love to chat to you forever but for now we're going to say a massive thank you for coming on the inspire podcast and to all of our listeners if they want to hear from anyone else if they've been inspired by mike and want to get in touch with purple if they want to take a look at the recent inclusive uh, cultures um workshop that we ran with our inspire community and the content we produced from that or really get in touch with us around anything that how we can help you or purple can help you or even what you're doing around changing the disability conversation then do let us know for now it's a thank you to you mike and goodbye